How are you doing? Yeah, very, very well, thanks. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> How's life at DKC Veterinary Clinic? It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. What's been the most challenging case you've had this week? Oh, gee. Hmm. We what just, has we been just, the most challenging the story case? of the of the uh, chocolate lab yesterday yeah i had a, i had a, a yeah an interesting dog that um, was very friendly and was bouncing around reception and just looked like a typical labrador and um i went up to it and it just like barked and like lunged at me and gave me such a fright and this poor dog was so terrified of the vet and the owner was so distressed about it because she says she's such a friendly dog but the minute she comes to the vet she turns into like you know some sort of a terrifying beast and we had to figure it out, and eventually we, the, the trick was actually to take her away from mommy. And as soon as you took her away from mommy, she then stuck to my side and started barking at everyone else <laughs> around me. So whoever was holding the lead seemed to be, you know, okay. So I managed to do everything I needed to do as long as I was holding the lead. Oh. <laughs> and then yeah. as soon as I took her back to mom, she started barking at me really? again. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't it interesting what your pet will do? And they do, some do, some sense they're going to the vets or when they're put in a basket like a cat's put in the basket or when a a dog's walked into your surgery or into your practice room you know they turn into something something else yeah one of the classic things that cats do especially if a cat's really angry if you get it back into the basket they actually turn around and strike really hard at the door and often you have to close the door with like a towel because they can get you through the door with their claws and they do it after the fact and it's really always a big surprise they like going well that's what I think of you (laughs) (laughs) wow it's quite hazardous isn't it being a vet yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) well today as always we'll be looking at some stories that have caught our eye on the newswires media and uh, actually one talking about behavior um, a rottweiler who uh, likes to have a bit of a turn takes a turn in this case as it's been described he refuses to take his medicine by playing dead and spitting out his heart arthritis tablets and we posted the video up on our website so we'll be having a look at that and finding out how we should be administering uh, medicine to pets correctly Todd you brought to my attention last week an article from BBC Earth exploring why humans keep pets now it can be a costly habit so why do we do it we're going to be looking at this story in a little while and I'm asking you this morning why do you keep pets why if you've got a pet why why did you get a pet what do you like about it what makes you want to have a pet let me know on 4001 uh you both well you live together you're married Mm -hmm. um you have your hairless cats yes we do yeah creature and sweetie but i only like one of them (laughs) (laughs) hang on a minute hang on a minute what they called again creature and sweetie creature is it creature the one you don't like? No, creature's the one I like. <laughs> creature's the one I like. Sweetie, I just, uh, I just tolerate. Well, sweetie is creature's friend, so we need sweetie to look after yeah, creature. That's true. <laughs> and why don't you like sweetie? Um, well, first of all, she's got an eye problem. What's the What's the description of the eye problem that she's got? Well, now you're being, you know, a little no, no, bit discriminatory. Just, yes, that's she's, true. She's, she's just it's being honest. She's yes. just got some some corneal scars because she had very bad herpes. Yeah, but her eyes younger. are constantly moving back yeah, and, and forth. Yeah, and so she's so got nystagmus, so they go left yeah. left and right, and the whole head moves as well. So, so she's when a bit I weird. when I look at her, I get nauseous. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, he doesn't really, he doesn't warm to her because her character is not as obvious as Creature's. Creature's yeah. very, got a very specific character with certain things that he does that endears Todd towards him. Yeah. And Sweetie is a little bit more like a non-event. So we have a little ritual, in fact. Every night when we get into bed, within 30 seconds, no matter where Creature might be in the apartment, she comes into the bedroom over to my side of the bed and from the floor puts up her paw and taps me on my arm. 
just keeps tapping me until I let her come up on the bed. So it's kind of hard not to think that's a bit sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. You know, now people, and I have this at dinner parties and I, make, I meet my friends and some of us are animal lovers and pet lovers and we have pets and others at the table are not. Mm, yeah, that's and, always interesting. And the ones that aren't look mm. at us like the kind of conversation yeah. we're just having now and think, what on earth are you talking about? Mm. And why are you talking with such, you know, enamor and joy and love and fun and for so long about an animal understanding why humans do and don't there are those that don't and if you don't like pets let me know about that as well well i think uh, todd's missing out that when creature doesn't get his way he ends up actually chewing on his beard yeah. Um, he creeps up and will start chewing on his beard until finally Todd will do it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Apparently my beard is delicious. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, someone else is texting here saying, I know a woman with a hairless cat called Fluffy. Oh, great name. <laughs> you know, the first ever Sphinx was called Prune. <laughs> and is that a hairless cat? Because I have to be honest, is, yes. I, I actually don't know. There's a very, there's a very, very, uh, very thin, almost indiscernible layer of, uh, fluff. of of fluff on their skin, but but that's it. It's, and there's it, a bit of hair. There's a hair. There's a hair on the nose as well, but yeah. very short hair, like your normal cat's short hair would yeah. be. Otherwise, they, they and of aren't. course they've got whiskers, of course. But yeah, no, they're really genuinely, basically hairless. They and, don't have um, whiskers. <laughs> they do have. Whiskers. They don't. <laughs> Don't they have whiskers? They have no whiskers. Oh, what the hell do I know? <laughs> no, they're no whiskers. Which cats have you been petting? Yeah, yeah, but must the, be other but cats. A Cornish Rex or a Devon Rex is the one with the yeah. short curly oh, yeah, hair. Right. I come home at night, don't I? I do, yeah. <laughs> must so I'm going to ask you why then? Why did you have the sweeting creature, the hairless cats? What made you have those particular oh, cats? It's my it's, 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 it's my, my fault, if you want to call it that. I've had pets my whole life. Yeah. And um, to me, I, I don't feel a home is a home without an animal in it and I've always I've always been that way and um, so 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 the cats basically you know were, were, were mine or my Todd said you know sweetheart if you really want a pet just make sure it doesn't shed so I went <laughs> okay ha a sphinx and two days later I had them <laughs> It's true. I mean, he, before I knew was what like, was hitting me, he was like, oh dear, seriously? And then he just, it's mm. taken him about three years, but now he's, he likes them. Yeah. I'm with you. To mm. me, a home is not a home until there is an animal there inside that house. It, that becomes a home to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm fully on board with you. Todd just has to accept it. Why are you I laughing? <laughs> oh, because, no, because it's, it's, I mean, I know that, uh, I'm, look, when I, I grew up with, uh, with uh, dogs, we had, uh, well, geez, we had a, a, a miniature poodle for a few years, and then we had a Yorkshire Terrier called for Stanley. years. Called Stanley. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I grew up with pets, and I loved them when I was a kid. And then as I got older, I got tired of the, uh, of the responsibilities. You know, I know there are lots of people out there that work very hard, but my feeling is that I work so hard that I didn't want to have to come home and actually then go for walks and take care of them. All I wanted to do was lie down and go comatose in front of the television, you know. So, so I, I kind of reacted that way to it. And a little question for you here from Jared Kintz who says you know what I like most about people pets today's mystery mystery animal is a long-coated dog breed of a medium to large size that was used and bred for herding in the highlands of Scotland due to its strength it has a rough coat which generally has shades of sable and is tricolored common health risks are hip dysplasia and an eye anomaly only seen in this breed a genetic disease which causes improper development of the eye and possible blindness i don't know if uh, dr natras knew that but don't reveal what the animal is just yet animal news and this is uh 
what's his name, Brutus, the Rottweiler, uh, looking at this story coming out of the UK. He refuses to take his medicine by playing dead and spitting out his heart. His arthritis tablets um, we posted up a video of Brutus you can see it on the Dubai Today page I looked at it earlier and he does look like he's dead I mean he's lying on his back <laughs> <laughs> and he's not moving as his owner is trying to give him his tablets uh, your thoughts on this well, he did start to move uh, about halfway through the video, just ever so slightly, which I, which I thought cost him the Oscar, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did portray it very well, didn't he? <laughs> um, well, look, my thoughts on that are, uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think the dog is going to consciously play dead in order to stop taking his arthritis tablets. I mean, it just seems too, too much of a human sort of thought process to me. It's possible that they have taught the dog to play dead and possibly at some point they did it in association with dosing tablets and it's now become the sort of fiasco that it has become but um you know most pet owners any pet owner that's had to dose a dog or a cat is has probably got a, a very interesting story to tell you about mm. how difficult it is mm. you know there are very few animals out there that are easy to dose um you know and the market has come up with all sorts of especially in the arthritis category there are lots of chewable tablets that actually taste nice and you just hand them over as a treat and they take them um and those those are obviously useful and easy but there are some dogs that even can see through that and they don't want to you know to participate but dosing is a is a is a problem and um it's all about i think you know learning how to do it technique and trying to actually assert yourself yeah, with your I pet mean, because I mean, you have to just you know you you assert yourself with your children don't you i yeah. mean you get that medication down it's the same thing with an animal yeah i mean i, I mean it it, it it we we often touch on subjects which can uh, at some point become a little bit uncomfortable to talk about because you don't want people to think that we're we're mean and terrible but the really you know the the reality is that if if your if your animal needs medication you you simply need to make sure that he or she is taking that medication and the problem here although it was an adorable video and very funny and obviously the man loves his dog uh, it, it can only be happening because he doesn't actually know how to assertively administer medication because if you know what you're doing uh, you don't fail. Mm. It, it, it works. Yeah, yeah, it does work. Yeah. yeah, and and I think isn't it the case that particularly with dogs, you know, they're pack animals and they like you to, they want you to be well, and I'm yeah, pack leader. And so what I'm seeing in that video is the dog was the leader there, and the owner was the one that was kind of pandering. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it's very, 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 very often the case. Yeah. And especially with a breed like a Rottweiler, it's very important that you are the leader because they want to lead mm -hmm. and they are dominant so in that case you actually need to make sure he knows who's boss so um yeah no you are correct and another thing you know it's also i, I do feel for owners too because uh, i've seen it a lot in my years that a lot of vets don't seem to be sympathetic to the fact that you actually you know you you as some people prescribe two or three medications to give two to three times a day and I mean, that is also just not a realistic thing to expect. You know, you have to figure out what is, you know, how easy is this animal A? How much time has the owner got B? And what is realistically going to be the outcome of the treatment in terms of what's practically possible? So it is a two-way street as well. You know, I think um, if you go to a vet and he's prescribing you or she's prescribing you loads of stuff, you actually need to put your hand up and go, you know what, this is not going to work for me. I can only do this and, can I, and, I, and I need help with that. You can't just not say anything and walk away with 500 dirhams worth of medication that's only going to end up down you know the mm. drain <laughs> but but in addition to that you know one of the things that Lucinda and I have talked about since opening our clinic uh, a few months ago is 
uh, is that it's very common uh, throughout the industry, not just here, but just generally, it's very common for vets to forget or to not consider that when they're at reception handing over the prescription, the tablets, and saying in the most wonderfully supportive tones that they need to do this and this and this, it's very, very understandable and very frequent, I think, that they forget that the customer, the patient, the dog owner, they don't actually know how to do the administration of those tablets, and they're shy about admitting that fact. Uh, or they, they, they just feel uncomfortable and don't want, don't want to talk about that. And I think that it's important for vets to uh, always, on each uh, uh, moment, with each customer, to repeat themselves every time to ensure that they're offering up some information on the methodology of administration. Oh, of those especially tablets. with ear medication. Yeah. Ear medication is a common one. You yeah. know, you just assume they know how to put ear drops in, but yeah. the, the human ears and dog ears and cat ears are very different. And pet owners, pet owners really shouldn't be. You know, I, I'm urging you actually not to not to feel shy. And when you're at a vet and they are prescribing, don't 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 imagine it's obvious and don't feel shy. You need to say, okay, how exactly should I administer this? And and they can show you. They can actually go right there and show you how to. Especially do it. with cats, because they yeah. are almost yeah, they really are. The cats difficult. can be a terror. Oh know? yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I I it's a nightmare. Cat, my dog, not a problem. <clears throat> piece of cheese with the medication yeah. done yeah. the cats yeah. they just I don't know how they do it they just mm. look like yeah I've swallowed I've swallowed and then spit it out and yeah. like it's yeah. really challenging yeah, yeah it is yeah. <laughs> the other thing that came out of this article for me was looking at you know knowing your animal and the behaviours some of the behaviours you see that make us smile or frustrate us or um, and I was thinking about and understanding your dog or your animal better and, and I was thinking about with my dog Shakespeare he if I'm walking him and sometimes in my neighborhood people put their food you know they're throwing their food out it doesn't make the, the skip and you get that big dried fish mm. and he he loves he gets the hold of one of those fish heads delicious oh and they stink i know and I'm like, <laughs> the smellier and the I'm, better and i'm trying to get in there before him and he once he's got it in his mouth his jaw just locks yeah and i've tried prizing i've like got in there you know i mean i trust him i mean i'm not scared of him at all there's no point with him as a vizsla you know being too heavy-handed with him but i've tried to kind of pull the fish head out of his mouth but these jaws just lock in and i guess this is right back to sort of you know as dogs in the wild they lock their jaws mm, yeah guess. they do and, and i mean also i mean a vizsla is a, is, a, is a it's a hound you know it's a hunting dog so yeah, true. he's got strong <laughs> jaws as well i mean it's easy to pry open the jaws of a you know a pekingese <laughs> but a vizsla i mean you know and even your terrier breeds your big ones you know like the bull terriers forget it you can't i mean those Dogs are bred to fight. Anyway, I know how you he can't feels. Open I those get jaws. like that with Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> I do think if anyone's driving along the road and see this woman with this dog, like pulling this sort of <laughs> fish head, <laughs> and he's like, "We're dancing down the road trying to get it out of his mouth." We say they're not, you know, they're not humans. They are animals, and yet that that sense, like you said, you know, being fearful of going to the vets, or like this morning, my dog's been out for a walk, but he doesn't want. He's not had enough, and when I'm going into the car to go to work, he dashes out, and he will not come in he's like i want to go with you i want to go for a walk and those moments that you have with your animal that connection and as much as we might be humanizing those situations we are humans and we feel so we're going to be looking at this article that todd brought to our attention about why humans have pets and what is that bond what is that connection and why do we because it seems like in the animal kingdom human beings are the only ones that have such a thing which is a pet squeeze in another story with you and it links into one of our messages 
that have come in. Um, somebody here is texting in saying that they are um, helping two strays and they're feeding them uh, because it's so hot at the moment. And so uh, they are feeding these two strays. Uh, they're saying that I can't take them into my house. I already have two cats. I leave food and water but worry about heat as they seem so hot and have lost weight. So first off on this, how do animals fare outdoors like cats strays in the hot weather extremely well yeah and you have to you know it's <coughs> i think we agree on this subject generally don't we uh, lucinda yeah they, they, well, we're gonna find out well we're gonna find out okay, <laughs> i'm looking at you insecurely at the moment but anyways there we go um you know i think you have to ask yourself the question how did they become you know how did you find them in the first place you found them because they were strays which means that they're existing and probably thriving as strays and i think you know it's, it's again it's very understandable we, we we get empathetic we worry about them and so on but but i personally feel that you're doing them and you a very real disservice by uh, engaging them in this way because as any wild or stray animal will do, when they now find a food source, they're going to keep coming back to that food source. So, you know, if you, if you recognize that they were surviving anyways and understand that they don't need you to survive, um, then, and you don't then therefore provide them with the food and the water all the time, uh, they will then not become attached to your territory and your home, uh, which, which is the advice I would provide. Well, we'll come back, talk more about this and look at a story in seven days to, uh, uh, this morning, uh, 75 cats. One woman is feeding 75 cats wow. out on the street. Um, it ties in as well to our main topic of discussion today, which is why do humans have pets? So uh, she's feeding them. Why is she feeding them? She's on very low salary, but she's spending a large portion of her salary each month on food for the cats. And uh, we'll share that story and your thoughts when we come back. What's the animal? Queen Victoria acquired today's mystery animal, which caused it to become something of a fashion item. In 1881, a club was set up in England, and in 1886, also in the US, where owners of the dog breed would meet, socialise, and show off their four-legged beauties. If you missed the first clue, it's a long-coated dog breed, medium to large size. Um, it's bred for herding in the highlands of Scotland. It has a rough coat, and it has shades of sable, It's or it's tricoloured. So we have Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic, along with Todd Carson, Managing Partner of Dubai Kennels and Catchery. And there's a lot to get through, as well as asking you this morning, what do you like best about having a pet? We're going to be taking a look at this story and discussing why humans, in out of the whole animal kingdom, have pets. It seems that other animals don't show the same tendency or liking towards having a pet, which you kind of imagine. can't really imagine seeing a gorilla, I don't know, with a pet cat. I don't know. But uh, who knows? Uh, but here we go. Let's look at this question regarding uh, the lady was saying that she's got two strays and she's feeding them in the heat. And you've explained that, you know, they're stray cats. They're used to being on the street. They can fare well being outdoors through all weathers. It ties into this story as well in seven days this morning uh, friend of the felines meet the woman who's digging deep to help Dubai's stray cat cat now is she helping or is it a hindrance 75 cats she's feeding on the street she's on a low income she's spending a large part of her salary feeding them what do we think about this is it a good idea is it just encouraging more strays or street cats I don't know yeah well that's a that's a difficult question to answer um I can understand 
the need and the desire to want to help and feed them and look after them because it, you know, it's like she's got 75 pets in a way and it probably takes up a large part of her day and, and her time and her personal emotional energy. So, you know, she probably gets a lot out of it as well. But, you know, they, um, I mean, the cats are all sterilized, so that's excellent. It's not like it's a population that's growing. I mean, obviously, you're going to miss a few and that's inevitable. But she has, you know, obviously tried to keep them sterilized, which is good. But, I mean, you raised uh, th- this point, in fact. What happens if something had to happen to her? You know, now you have 75 cats that are used to getting food from that source and suddenly now it's gone. Mm. I mean, they're tough. They, they, they probably figure it out and move on and find food elsewhere. So, and that sort of ties in with Todd's point is that, you know, if you feed, you're going to encourage them and they're going to come and you're going to get a bigger and a bigger population with more and more fighting and dominance happening. And then if that something happens and now you can't suddenly feed them anymore, then they'll splinter and fracture. So it's a, it's a difficult debate. Um, I think if I had to go with my logical brain, I would probably not encourage feeding of cats because I think that you're just perpetuating a problem mm. and you're probably encouraging a, a bigger stray cat population. I think if, if, I mean, feral cats are a part of urban living all over the world as are other feral animals, but the, the, the survival of the fittest, I think, applies here. And if they're not actually getting fed and they're surviving literally on, you know, rubbish or rats or small little rodents or things like that, you're going to get a smaller population that's not going to spread as much. And so I think that it's probably better you don't feed them but I've I have I have to admit I have fed stray cats before so you know I'm not actually following my own advice so you know I'm a bit of a hypocrite I think well I I just think there's a distinction to be made uh, in a couple of areas Um, you asked does it help or doesn't it help Uh, I mean on some level it helps because it makes the human being feel that they're being helpful um, but on another level I would I would put to you that it doesn't help at all one way or the other the cats are not attached to you they're not when I say the cats I'm referring to this large community of cats mm. now uh, the, the cats are, 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 are not attached to this woman or at least mm, the vast majority are not going to be they're there because there's a food source and the evidence part of the evidence that they are not attached is that if she were to some they disappear for one reason or another, uh, Lucinda is absolutely right. They would be absolutely fine, and they would disperse and go and find another way to get. So they're, they're, not, they're not getting the kind of help I think that we think that we're providing them. We're not providing them with help that, that ensures their survival. We're providing them with help in what they would successfully otherwise do anyways, but now we're giving them an easy source for that. So what we're really doing is having an impact on our lives, our neighborhoods, uh, our neighbors, our properties, and if that's what we want to do, then it's fine. But I think there is a very clear distinction to be made between what is uh, what is objectively the steps that ought to be taken and what we feel we want to do. And there are very real differences mm. between those two things. Feline friends, I've always said on this show, they've always said to me, you know, and to the listeners, don't feed street yes. cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is encouraging what could be seen as a problem. Yep. Um, in this case, it's this true. person yep. has had them all spayed, so they're mm-hmm. not reproducing. And I think it does come round to also um, with all the best will in the world, with all the logic in the world, for some people, um, they can't resist it. If they see an animal in distress or they think it's an animal in need, they feel that they need to provide for them. 
and I and I totally understand that need, but I'd like to, I'd like to frame that that desire in a different context that maybe we can all immediately respond to. If we have a child or a close friend or or whomever, uh, and they have uh, some sort of well, let's talk about child. They have some sort of behavioral problem. They're disrespectful, or they tend to break things because they get angry. Um, you know, we we may we may want emotionally to handle that in one way, but we may also, if we remain open and we look and we research and we talk and we get advice, we may learn that we need to handle it r- rather differently if we want a certain outcome. And, and I think that that's what we need to try to do. We need to try to separate our emotional impulses from what is actually understood to be the best choice and then see if we can live with the harmony of those two things together. Brings us into this story, Todd, that you picked up on. Lucinda, let's have a look at this. So only humans keep pets, perhaps because supporting cuddly companions is a costly habit so why do we do it and okay we've just been talking about street cats but it could still link into as human beings what is this uh, for people that are drawn towards animals who want to have an animal that want to care for an animal where does that come from and looking at this article you know when four chimpanzees captured a young blue do- uh, uh, doika to play with Dyker. Thank you. Uh, you might <laughs> or Dyker, if you're really Afrikaans. <laughs> uh, you might at first believe they wanted to keep it as a pet. They tumbled about with it, but in the end, it went badly for the antelope. Their playful behavior was too rough and ended in its death. The chimpanzees continued to play with the corpse for another 30 minutes. They're animals in the wild. That's what they do. So where do you think it comes from? It's a big question, I know, but where and how humans have this desire for some to have an owner pet? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 and, and that article, is, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, it starts at the, at the obvious starting point that, you know, with, with dogs and, and cats, uh, as humans started to make settlements, you know, there, there's in, in, inevitably going to be <clears throat> animals that are coming closer for food, and they're inevitably going to have little puppies or ill animals that are going to be straggling, and then they're going to be tamed. And, and I think initially, from what that article says anyway, humans could see the benefit of having a, a wolf type animal because they helped them hunt and they also provided protection and they, they you know they did all of those things so there was actually a, a I think a functional reason for having them around and if you look back at history you know people have used cows for food people have used cows to pull as draft animals horses horses you know a few hundred years ago were our main source of transport they weren't pets at all they were you know they literally were there because we used them for our own purposes so i think there's sort of been a fracture off that where you've started to well people have started to get, make emotional bonds and want to actually nurture pets and get something back from them and it's it's evolved that way but it is it is an interesting thing to think about because it and is strange as yeah. well culturally yeah. i mean exactly. you know some cultures were more prone towards pet ownership than other cultures mm. one culture might see as food another we'll see it as a cuddly pet so there's a lot surrounding yeah and the article refers to the uh to the phenomenon of memes where where something becomes uh increasingly increasingly popular in a culture or in a society or globally uh by its own popularity so the more popular it becomes the more popular it becomes and uh so they so the article and there are there are status symbols as well with pets too Mm. it might you know if you've got a certain type of pet it means that you're wealthy it's like if you have a certain type of car or have a certain type of watch so yeah it's, it's interesting to think about because I, I've never thought about it in any other way than well I've always had pets and I like having them around but if you look into the sort of the psychological drivers behind it it, it is interesting because um, that article also says that you know it's traditionally thought that pets actually make you healthier but in fact it shows that some some studies are showing that 
you're more likely to be depressed if you have a pet. But I kind of think that's one of those statistics where it's skewed because a lot of the time a depressed person gets a pet in order to help them feel better. It's not because you have a pet that you're depressed. Yeah, I think you have to be careful how you interpret that content in that article because uh, you have to ask the question, what are they referring to as being causal? And I don't think that they're suggesting that getting the pet is causal. I think that what they're suggesting and I think what the statistics would have to support is that uh, the decision to get the pet is what's causing. So there's already the depression there. There's a need for companionship. Companionship and and nurturing and all that, yeah. Well, it makes you feel good for so those people that are animal lovers. Uh, they just, I mean, I personally just, I've, and always have, from, I can't remember never having a pet from as being a child mm. in the family home. There was always a pet. And it's a behavioral thing that I love. I love watching them. I like engaging with what they're doing in some way, if I can, understanding what they're thinking, if they are, why they're behaving like they are. There's a lot of laughter. They make me laugh a lot, mm. my pets. Um, somebody here saying, that uh, well Alison's saying I would question whether my cat is my pet or I am my cat's pets. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. And that yeah. says more about uh. you, Alison, probably than your pets. Somebody texted in here saying, um, it makes me less selfish thinking about something else, particularly as I live alone. Uh, I think that's a really good point well made. And I think it's a good one for children as well. Uh, that idea of caring for something else and not being necessarily too self-absorbed, which we can become. Yeah, um, I, I do agree with that. It's just that, you know, sometimes I, I find... Um, people will, will get pets specifically to try and teach the, 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 their children that lesson. And sometimes it's sort of done incorrectly because, you know, I think the child needs to demonstrate some sort of interest first as well. Because if the child's really keen and is desperately wanting the pet and is really, you know, and you can see it's there and then, then you get it w- with them understanding that if you get this hamster or you have a fish, you ha- absolutely have to care for it. It shouldn't come from the, the other way around because then it can actually end in disaster. But, yeah, I think teaching something, somebody, about empathy a pet certainly will do that definitely will I was surprised actually with this article suggesting things like oh it doesn't help necessarily with your health and well-being having a pet um, it, it maybe is that more people that are prone towards depression would be more prone towards um, having a pet um, because in other articles I looked up on in psychology research they'll say pets impact your mood and personality uh, pets are extensions to your identity um, and selfishness as has been outlined just then you know maybe combating a bit of selfishness so I guess it depends where you stand in all of this. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting one and how we've evolved and how, as we said before, culturally across cultures, it can vary as well. A message here from Dina saying, I think that pets provide a sense of security for pet owners. That's why so many people feel the need for pets at home, especially with little little kids. Pets teach us unconditional love, trust and faithfulness. They have an emotional bond with their owners. That's, in my opinion, unbreakable. Thank you for that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a broad topic. And, you know, as you said, how we've evolved, that's an interesting point. I mean, you know, hundreds of years ago, we literally were using animals for our own, you know, benefit. I mean, obviously we do now because we eat animals still. But if you look at the trends of animal activists and people that, you know, promote veganism or when whatever else, they will even say you shouldn't be riding a horse and you shouldn't be using a dog for protection or, you know, and, and I wonder where we'll be in a few hundred years time if, it, you know, it would have swung, the pendulum might have swung the other way. It's quite interesting to think about. 
Uh, somebody else here is saying, I love the show. I have a problem with people that don't like animals. They're missing out on an amazing world. You get what you give. Uh, we could all learn a lot from animals. Um, I can't not touch, stroke my cat, Bagel. She greets me, sleeps with me, talks to me. And I love her. And I love bagels. <laughs> it's a great name for a cat. And bagel. sweeties as well. Sweeties, sweeties and bagels, exactly. And there you go. It just goes to show the love that some people have for their pets and their animals. Um, on another side of that, if you will, um, just as always every week on the Animal House, we check out uh, the charity sites, local stories, what's happening. One here from Canine Friends and kind of ties into what we are talking about a bit last week. But... Um, Please, this is what they've written on their Facebook page. Please, please do not just show up at the shelter with your dog or leave it tied to our gate. At this time, as explained, we are full and are working hard to try and help the 59 people who have dogs currently on our waiting list. These people are patiently managing to care for their dogs until we have a space for them, some of them in exceptionally difficult circumstances. If you need to give your dog uh, up your dog, if you need to give up your dog, please call us. As well as offering advice, we'll put the dog on our wait list and bring it in just as soon as we can. Please don't jump the queue ahead of the people who are trying to do the right thing by expecting us to take your dog in first and don't threaten our volunteers with dumping your dog we're doing our best but we cannot do the impossible and to the two gentlemen who both came and left dogs at the shelter today please understand what you have done to the others who are very much in the same situation as you are the dogs you left were your dogs your responsibility hmm don't know if we can really add more to that no, but the message can't. is quite clear yeah. i think and again you know it's all year round but uh at this time of year in particular uh, you know please try and uh, make allowance for your pet if you're traveling or indeed if you have to leave the uae um this one's interesting from david on the other side of why we like animals he's saying um capturing innocent animals for your self-esteem and amusement or captivating innocent animals for your self-esteem and amusement so again another opinion on that fair mm. enough and uh, kevin good morning to you happily we persuaded my mother-in-law 80 years of age to get a dog a mm. havanese she goes out with him twice a day meets new people and has fantastic companionship so well, that, well i mean that is an interesting point i do see it often with old older people that have pets um it actually can get really emotional if the pet becomes ill, you know, because the rest of the family, they, 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 they say, you, you don't understand, this dog is what keeps my mom going or my, my dad going. And, yeah, that, that, that is true. I think when you're, when you're old and you're lonely, a pet can really make, give you a purpose in a way, you know. We're nearly out of time. Just squeeze in a quick announcement for Cat and Kitten Adoption Day, Saturday the 13th of June at uh, Khalifa City from 1 to 4 p.m. If so if you're Abu Dhabi way or that end of Dubai, then uh, and you're looking for a kitten to give them or a cat to give them a forever home, then maybe check that out. Let's reveal... Mm. our mystery animal <laughs> do you know what it is today have yeah, i told you yeah yeah i have do I? know so i'd be i'd be cheating if i said oh no i guessed it no <laughs> i do know what it is it is the rough collie yeah did anyone get it oh yes lots okay, of you got good. it and uh, we've had lots of responses to this of course just lassie it kind of <laughs> just became known as the lassie dog didn't yeah. it um a beautiful breed but yeah. as outlined in some of our clues it can be prone to hip dysplasia have you come across a rough collie before yeah yeah no i've seen I've seen a couple. Look, I have to say, they're not 
not not common dogs. I'm no. certainly not in Dubai. Yeah. Um, when I worked in South Africa, I, I had I think two or three that I used to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, because because it's a large active dog, you know, hip dysplasia is a kind of a, a pervasive problem. And um, yeah, they they do get something called collie eye anomaly, which is what you were talking about, where it's a t- disease of the retina, and sometimes they do can be blind from it. And it is it's funny, it's specific to that breed. Thanks for all your messages today. And if we didn't get to your question, then we will pop it up on our website. And uh, Lucinda and Todd very kindly contribute to that Q&A throughout the week. So if you've got any questions, if you want to connect with Dr. Lucinda and Todd, then you can do so. All their details are up on our website. Check out the Animal House at Dubai Today at DubaiEye1038.com. But for now, thank you very much for your time. That's Todd Carson, Managing Partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And to Dr. Lucinda from DKC Veterinary Clinic. Thank you.